Hey there, podcast listeners, it's Tom here. I recently returned from a camp where I gave some talks to a bunch of teenagers who are mostly unchurched. The talk that you're about to hear is one of the five talks that I gave while on that camp. If you've been enjoying this podcast, it'd be great if you'd be willing to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts so that more people can find it and enjoy it. Also, if you want to read my blog or find more sermons, find a Bible study I've written or book me to preach, then you can head to tomfrench.com.au for all that and more. Finally, I've actually been getting a lot of downloads from Japan lately, which is exciting, but also makes me wonder if I'm getting hits from some strange Japanese sermon listening bot. I'm a little curious as to what's going on, so if you happen to be a Japanese listener, send me an email at tom.french at live.com, that's tom.french at live.com, and help me solve this mystery. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the talk. So there are some people who love rules, they really love making rules, and they really love enforcing rules, and some people who just really love obeying rules, and I'm one of those people who just really loves obeying rules. I love it if there are rules for me to just tick off and be like, yeah, I'm done the right thing. So when I drive my car, I like to drive really, really fast till I get to the speed limit. And then I sit right on the speed limit. I'm like, yes, I'm going at 60. And I feel like I'm going as fast as possible. I really like obeying recipes. Or if I'm actually doing most of my cooking, I like obeying what it says on the side of the packet as I microwave a thing. I like obeying those rules. When I get medication, I like obeying those rules. On the side of a box of codril, it says that if you take it for more than three days, you need to go to the doctor. And I got a cold once, and I've been taking the, doc- the, do- taking the codril for three days. And I was like, when it gets to day four, I've got to go to the doctor. It got to day four, so I was like, I'm going to the doctor. And I went to the doctor, I told the doctor my, sim- my symptoms, and the doctor said, you have a cold. I was like, yes, I know I've got a cold, but the, the package said I have to come see you. And she's like, you're an idiot. Go home. You've got a cold. <laughs> so, I had, so I went home. But I felt good about myself because I'd obeyed the packet. Like, if I hadn't gone and seen the doctor, who knows what could have happened? I could be dead now. I obeyed the packet. The last time I played GTA, I obeyed all the road rules. <laughs> I stopped at the stop signs. I stopped at the traffic lights. I obeyed the speed limit. I didn't run over any pedestrians and everyone else was bored, but I was really happy. I was like, I'm doing really well. There are no police chasing me at all. I'm pretty sure I've won the game. So I love obeying rules. And if you've had anything to do with religious people, then you probably know that within religion, there are plenty of rules that people like to make. And there are plenty of rules that people like to enforce and plenty of things that you might need to figure out. In Christianity, we have enough of these rules, like rules like, how you go to church. And they're not written down rules, but they just kind of, everyone knows the rules. Like when you go to church, what are you meant to do? Depending what church you go to, uh, there's, there's rules about how often you go to church and what time you go to church and what you can wear when you go to church and the things you can talk about at church and the things you're allowed to say when you're at church. And when the singing starts, if you're at one church and you close your eyes and you put your hand in the air and you sway a bit, people are like, wow, that's amazing. That person must really love God. If you do it at another church, they'll be like, wow, that person is very strange and overly emotional. They should put their hand down and open their eyes. So you've got to figure out what the rules are. Some, at some churches, if you pray for a long time, they're all like, wow, that's amazing. So spiritual. Others are like, we're bored. God is bored. Be quiet. You're praying way too long. 
So you've got to figure out the rules. There are lots of rules. And there are rules of the things that you do by yourself. Like if you read the Bible, how often you read the Bible, what time you read the Bible. If you watch TV, what TV and movies are you allowed to watch? What things are you allowed to say? How do you live your life? There are just so many rules and most of them are not in the Bible. They're just rules that we love to make because we are religious people and we love rules. Well, in the story that we're looking at today, Jesus is meeting some people and they love rules. They love making rules that are silly rules, that are rules that are not written in the Bible. They just love making the rules. And they've seen that Jesus' disciples are eating food when, and they haven't washed their hands. It's not like they went to the toilet and they didn't wash their hands and Jesus should have told them off for their bad hygiene. It's more that there is a ceremonial way of washing your hands that you needed to do before you ate because it would uh, honour honor the tradition of the elders, it says. That it was just a traditional thing. And these people, who their names are the Pharisees, they were really religious people, and they wanted Jesus' disciples to obey the rules. And they loved rules so much that they saw in the Bible that God has some things where it's like, you know, this is good for people to do. This is bad for people to do. They say, well, those are God's rules. And we want to make sure we obey those rules. So we'll make rules around those rules so that we can make sure we don't break those rules. So we'll make these rules. So if we don't break these rules, we definitely won't break those rules. So to give you an example, if, for instance, in the Bible it said, you cannot touch this projector, then they would say, well, you cannot touch the projector. And just in case someone was going to touch the projector, let's make a rule that says you cannot look at the projector. Because that will mean that no one will be tempted to touch the projector. And if you're not allowed to look at the projector, then we should make sure that no one can see the projector. So we'll put the projector in a room with no windows and then no one will be able to look at the projector and then no one will be tempted to touch the projector. And in fact, to make sure that no one goes into the room where the projector is, we'll put like a one kilometer boundary around the room where the projector is just in case someone goes near the room and goes into the room and sees a projector and wants to touch a projector, we'll do that. So they make all these extra rules that are not rules that are in the Bible that God has said, but they just love making rules. And the reason why they make the rules is they say that they think that if you obey these things, then God will be impressed. That if they do them just right, then God will be really happy with the way that they have obeyed the rules. They think the things that they do on the outside, the way that they obey their rules, will kind of filter through and make their heart pure and clean and God will look down and see it's great. And often we have rules like that. Some of us are religious people and have rules that we think will impress God and some of us are not religious people and we still have rules that we think will impress God. We think that maybe if we pray just right, then God will be impressed. Or if we read the Bible, then God will be impressed. Or if we, the way that we treat other people, that God will be impressed. Sometimes Christians think that if we can do things just right, then God will be so impressed. Like God will look at me and he'll see me reading my Bible and he'll be like, oh, good. I'm so pleased, Tom, that you're reading my Bible because I was feeling a little insecure. And now I know that you're reading the Bible. I know that you care about me and what I'm thinking. Thank you, Tom. You've really perked me up. Or if I pray, then God will be like, God, Tom, I'm so impressed. Thank you for praying. I was feeling a little bit lonely, Tom. But now you've talked to me. Now I know I've got a friend. Thanks, Tom. We think that if we obey these rules, then it will impress God. But what the Bible tells us and what Jesus is saying in this passage is saying that God is not impressed by the things that we do. That we don't impress God by the way that we obey all the right rules because it's not about the rules that we obey, but it's about what's going on in our hearts. And that if our hearts 
are unclean, then our life cannot be clean. The things that we do cannot be clean. These people who Jesus is talking to, they thought if they ate the right foods, then they would be clean. If their hands were washed, then they would have clean hearts. But Jesus says food, it just goes into the mouth and through the body and then out again, and it goes nowhere near the heart. So how do you become clean? Jesus is saying. Because when you look at the life, when you look at your heart, there, are, there is a lot of unclean things that come out of a heart. If you want to know what's in someone's heart, you see the things that they do and then you will know what their heart is like. So whatever other things you do, your cleanliness, your purity doesn't work from the outside in, it works from the inside out. And so you look at this list that Jesus gave. He says this, he says, What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, Deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Saying it's not about the the rules that you obey, it's about what's going on in your heart. And you might look at that and you say, oh, look, I haven't done most of those things, I'm pretty good. You might be like, oh, I definitely haven't murdered anyone. That's great, well, good on you for not murdering anyone, congratulations. But chances are, if you're anything like me, there's a few of these things that you have done. There's greed. If you've ever taken more than your fair share, then you've committed greed. There is malice, which means if you've ever hated anyone and wanted the worst for them, then that's come out of your heart. Then there's, there's lewdness. If you've ever said disgusting things about someone else, then, then that's in your heart. There's envy. If you've ever wanted something that someone else has that you don't have, then that's coming out of your heart. There is arrogance. If you've ever thought that you are better than you really are, then that's coming out of your heart. And then there's folly. If you've ever done something just stupid, then that's coming out of your heart. And I'll tell you what, I've done most of the things on this list. And I know that my heart isn't clean. So the question is then, that you might be asking, is then how... Can you have a new heart? If the problem is not whether you obey all these external rules or not, if the problem is the heart, how do you get a new heart? How do you do that? Can you work to get a new heart? Can you, can you do all the right things so that God will be like, great, congratulations, you leveled up, you got a new heart. Well, how do you do that? Well, you need, you need, you need to get the heart not from yourself. It's got to come from somewhere else. Uh, this is a guy whose name is Louis Woskansky. I think that's how you say his name. I've never heard it actually said, but this is Louis Woskansky. He's the first person ever to get a heart transplant. He was a guy who was an athlete. Uh, he was a boxer. He uh, had quite a, um, you know, quite a full life until he had issues with his heart and he had three heart attacks in a row. And after the fourth heart attack, his doctor said, well, this is no good. We've got to do something about this. And so he referred him to a doctor whose name was Christian Bernard. And he is a guy who is a South African doctor. And this guy was South African as well. And they were thinking about doing this uh, this new procedure, which was a heart transplant. And on the 3rd of December, 1967, Uh, there was a woman uh, whose name was Denise Darville. 
and she was 25 years old. She was in a car accident and she was killed. And so they took her heart and put it into this guy and he got a new heart. He got a new lease on life. His life was changed because he got a heart transplant. And the truth is for us, the way that we get clean hearts is not by us working to scrub our hearts clean, but we need to get a new heart. We need a whole new heart. We need a heart transplant. And if that seems like that's too hard, that you can't do it yourself, because he didn't give himself a heart transplant, the truth is, yeah, it is too hard and you can't do it yourself. But the good news is that if this is true, what God is saying in the Bible, if what Jesus is saying is true, then he doesn't leave it so it's all up to you. In fact, he has done everything needed so that you might be able to get a clean heart because of him. In fact, there's a promise in the Bible that says God will give people new hearts. This is from a book called Ezekiel. This is in chapter 36. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws and I will save you from all your uncleanness. He's saying, you don't have to be the ones to get your own new heart. You don't have to one, be the ones to make yourself clean. I'm going to do it for you. And the way he did it is through Jesus Christ. The way that Louis Waschansky, well, the way he got his heart uh, was because somebody died. And the way that we get a new heart is because somebody died for us. Because Jesus, when he went to the cross, the Bible tells us he died a death so that we don't have to die of our unclean hearts. That he took the punishment that we deserve for all those things that we have done, that list that Jesus gave, Jesus pays the price for us. He lived a totally clean life, a totally pure life. He had a totally pure heart so that all our impurity we can give to him. That he dies on the cross so that we might be given a new heart and that when God looks at us, he sees our pure hearts. He sees our cleanness if we trust in Jesus. So if you want a new heart, if you want to live a different life, if you want to be right with God, then it's not about doing a bunch of stuff to impress God, but about looking to his son Jesus who did what was needed so that you might have a clean heart. Now, the last thing that might happen is that you might say, all right, then fine, I get a clean heart. What's the point of doing anything good? If God gives it to me in Jesus, why would I be kind to people? Why would I be generous? Why would I obey anything that it says in the Bible? Why would I do that? I can just do whatever the heck I want now because it's Jesus who gives me a clean heart. But what happens if you get a clean heart is that you know then that you are loved by God. And you do these good things, you are kind to people and you love people and you pray and you read your Bible and you do that not to impress God, but because you are impressed by God. Because you love God, because you know he loves you and you do it out of love. Probably this whole thing can be illustrated in a relationship. Uh, I have a wife, I think I told you guys that yesterday. And uh, if I wanted to love my life my wife properly I could maybe make myself a list and be like right these are the good things that a husband does I just do them and I tick them off and then I will be the perfect husband it might say on my list that I need to give my wife a hug so every day at 8am 
I wake up and I say, wife, it's time for your hug. And I give her a hug and then I stop and I'm like, done, wife, I am a good husband, tick. But she wouldn't like that. She wouldn't be impressed by just ticking off the boxes and fulfilling the rules. I know this because I've tried it. <laughs> I wanted just to do the right things and tick it off and get it done. And she didn't like it. When I was dating her, uh, I used to visit her and I'd drive home late at night. And when I got home, I used to send her an emoji to say that I was home. I'd send her the little house emoji. And just to let her know that I was home, that I didn't die on the way and she liked that. And then I got a new phone and this phone meant that I could set up these kind of rules. That's like, when you're at home, don't check work emails. And you could set the phone up to do that. Like, that would be great. So I was like, ah, oh, I'm going to set up a rule that if I leave her house after 10 p.m. and I arrive at my house, it automatically sends her an emoji of a house. I was like, that's great. And I set it up. I drove home and it sent her an emoji of a house. Like, yes, this is amazing. I'm a genius. And then I told her about it because I thought it was a great idea. I was like, my phone automatically sent you an emoji. She's like, what do you mean it automatically sent me an emoji? I was like, I set my phone up to do it. It just does it automatically. And she was really upset with me. I was like, it's just an emoji automatically set up. But she wanted to know that I was thinking of her. That the emoji wasn't just about I made it home safely, but I made it home and I'm thinking of you and I care about you. And, and which was really disappointing to me that she was upset because I wanted to set up my phone to do lots of rules. Like every two hours it could send her a message that says, I love you. And I, I get it all kind of outsourced. But that's not, but it doesn't work that way. The thing about the Pharisees is they thought they could just tick off the boxes. They could get it all sorted out. They could make the list of rules. They tick them off and God would be impressed. But it doesn't work that way. But the other thing that's happened is I, I got married to her and I could say, well, now we're married. It's all done. The thing is signed, we're done. I don't need to be kind to my wife anymore. I don't need to love my wife anymore. It's all sorted. The, the, the thing is done. Why would I need to put any effort in? But the same way that she wanted me to care about her and love her for her when we were dating, she still wants me to care about her and love her for her now that we're married. And so I can't automate things. I can't stop doing the kind things for her. I need to keep loving her for her because of who she is and because of who we are together. And I do it because of our relationship. Because it's not about rules, it's about relationship. And the thing about God is He is not a God who is interested in religion. He's not a God who is interested in us ticking off all the boxes. He's a God who is interested in relationship. He's interested in you getting to know Him and Him getting to know you. He's interested in giving you a clean heart so that the way you live now, you can respond to His love and do kind things for others because he has loved you in his son, Jesus Christ. For some of you, this will be good news because you will know, man, I cannot live up to the standards that I think that God has. And you can know that this is good news because he has done everything needed for you to live up to his standards in his son, Jesus Christ. For some of you, this will be bad news because you will thought, I'm doing okay. I'm ticking off all the boxes. God's probably pretty impressed with me and now you've got to know that maybe he's not. But for all of us, we can know that it is good news that God has done everything needed to give us clean hearts if we trust in his son, Jesus. He's not a God who is interested in religion. He's a God who is interested in relationship. Let's trust in his son, Jesus, and let him give us new hearts so we can live new lives.
I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then we've got about 10 minutes until dinner. Let's pray. Uh, Lord God, thank you uh, that you are a God who doesn't need us to get everything right, doesn't need us to, to tick off all the boxes. I thank you that you are a God who wants clean hearts for us and to live lives that honor you, and that you have done everything needed for us to do that. Everything needed for us to be forgiven and to get new hearts in your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray that we'll be people who do not try and live religious lives, but we live lives of relationship with you and with others. Amen.